Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again, and I hope all is well. Hey, Dan. Um, 23 games, Dan. 23 games is the number that Sheffield Wednesday have been unbeaten in League One until last night. Uh, The small village team, as we are often referred to by them, from down the road, ended that. A 4-2 win for Barnsley. As you can tell from my voice, I was shouting a little bit last night. Uh, probably one of the best football games that I've been to for, for a few years now. Uh, had everything. Um, and, and for weeks, I've been banging on when we started this podcast about Barnsley's promotion push. In the last four home games, they've had four promotion contenders all come down to Oakwell. And they've beaten them all, including the top two. They've scored three past Portsmouth and Plymouth. They've scored four past Derby and Sheffield Wednesday. And amazingly enough, it still might not be enough for automatic promotion, uh, but my team's doing me unbelievably proud at the minute. Um, it's, it's an absolute joy and pleasure to go and watch them. And anybody who saw last night, the last 30 seconds of that game shows everything about Barnsley Football Club at the minute. We were in the 96th minute of a game at home where we were winning 3-2, and our striker had got the ball on halfway, and did he go for the corner? No, he didn't. He passed it to his winger. And did he go for the corner? No, he didn't. He played it into the box. And who was on the end of a cross in the 96th minute of a game you're trying to kill? Our centre-half, who had sprinted the length of the field to get into that attack and slot the ball in the back of the net to make it 4-2. We've just got no fear. We're playing good football. We're winning. We're beating the best teams in the league. And it might still not be enough for automatic promotion, but as a Barnsley fan, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable at the minute. Uh, I'm dead proud of them. Well, Craig's quite hoarse because of chancing last night. James mm. quite hoarse because he's struggling with illness. But Jamie, it's <laughs> not been quite on the Tottenham front, has it? So, illness aside, yeah. how have things been with you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, obviously, as you said, yeah, just just about past the late fitness test. Um, yeah, look, Tot- Tottenham's obviously not helped things either. Um, I would say to Craig, I'd love to come and join Barnsley on loan for the season in terms of being a fan. But look, I think my teams always seem to let me down. So I'm not going to do that to him. I'm going to let them get on with it and hopefully secure that promotion. Um, but yeah, obviously, Barnsley doing well. Spurs just always letting us down. And uh, I'll come on here, try and be positive about Spurs. And they always let me down. So uh I'm not going to say anything this week, obviously. Looks like it's going to be a change of manager. Lots of things going on. You know, it's the international break, but yeah, so much going on at Spurs at the moment already. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in the coming days in terms of Conte's future. Who's going to be next at Spurs? But uh, yeah, very, very frustrating times, as always, at Spurs. Yeah, incredibly frustrating. But I think a Spurs free week on this show, so you can rest on that front. That's all the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start... Wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insight. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the Odds On podcast hashtag, and who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Well, it's the international break, but there's still plenty of talking points from a betting point of view. So first up, we're going to look at some outright markets. And first up, we're going to look at the Champions League because, Craig, the draw has been made for the quarterfinal and the semi-final. The road to Istanbul is a lot shorter now. 
Are you still making Man City the favourites at nine to four? I, I think they're incredibly short, given what you've just said, and that's that we've had the draw. I think if this price was available before the draw, then I could have really understood it and, and maybe got on board with it. But we now know full well that Manchester City have got to beat Bayern Munich. And if things go to plan in the other game, they've got to beat Real Madrid. So I just, I can't understand the price of Manchester City, like sort of after the draw. As I said, if this was before the draw, fair enough, because they could have ended up with, for example, Benfica and AC Milan. Um, if City do get over the line, I will say the one thing that we can all sort of come here and say is we can't call it a fluke. They've not had a good draw. Um, they've had to beat the best and will deserve it if they go through this path and win the Champions League finally. But at those odds, I just think it's too short for me. Um, I just think that those odds are, are fair before the draw. Those odds are now no longer fair after the draw. City have got a very tough run. Um, I haven't added it up, but I get the feeling that if you were to place a £10 single on them to get past Bayern Munich and then place all your winnings on them to get past Real Madrid and then place all your winnings on them to win the trophy, to lift the trophy, if they get that far, that would result in a better return than 9-4. to four. Yeah, I think I'll make you right on that front. Incredibly short. But, Jamie, Real Madrid, you can never rule them out, can you? I mean, last season you mm. were backing them to the hilt on our final episode in terms of the Champions League. So they're 7-1 to one at the moment in terms of winning it outright. Would you be tempted by that? Would yeah. you be tempted by 10-3 to three to reach the final? Yeah, look, there's always something special about Real Madrid and, and being in the Champions League. That's one they've won it 14 times. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen them win it different ways as well. We've seen them win it as kind of by far the best team when they've had the likes of Modric, Bale, Ronaldo's. Then, of course, we've seen it when they've had to defy the odds to get there. So they all just always just seem to find a way to, to kind of win it and uh, get over the line in this competition. You know, we, we obviously saw, I, I just think that Man City game was, was just an amazing kind of show of why they are so special in this competition. The Man City game last season, of course, I think there was one moment in the match where they had a 1% chance of going through and that's all that Real Madrid need in this competition to, to win these matches. So, yeah, I, I think as well, they are on the, the, the tough side. Obviously, they've got, you know, they're going to have to, I think they will get past Chelsea. Um, I think that they will be happy with that draw, I think. Yes, Chelsea, a bit of resurgence from them, but I do believe that Real Madrid will be far superior to them. And as I said, you know, just got such an aura in this competition. So I think they will blow Chelsea away. But yeah, I think Bayern Munich or, or Manchester City, that's going to be a really, really tough game for, for whoever they face here. Um, but as I said, I, I think they should fancy themselves against any team at the moment. I think this is still a, a strong Real Madrid team, you know. You look at kind of each area of the pitch, I think they're very strong. Obviously, Courtois, fantastic goalkeeper. We know all their top central defenders. Obviously, a, a, you know, a plethora of fantastic midfielders as well. The likes of Kamavinga, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz. Um, so much talent in there. Then, of course, an attack. They're just you know, blessed with some unbelievable players. Obviously, Rodrigo being one of them. Then you've got the two key guys in, in Benzema and Vinicius. So... Yeah, I think they've got a fantastic chance of, of doing it again. I think, you know, they really shouldn't, fan, you know, fancy themselves against any of these teams. Um, yes, they're going to have a difficult semi-final. Um, but look, as I said, I, I think this is a team that, that can beat anyone on their day. They've got that experience as well. And I think that that's something that, that will come into play. You know, maybe this Bayern Munich team, they've obviously got a young manager in Julian Nagelsmann. Um, Pep Guardiola as well. He's obviously had his issues in, in the Champions League. So... 
I think Carlo Ancelotti and, and Real Madrid, they can certainly use their experience to get to the final. So, um, yeah, I really do like the look of them getting to the final uh, once again. Now, Craig, the hottest team in Europe right now is Napoli. They have the easier route in the Champions League draw. You can back them to reach the final, odds of 6-5, to five, but would you be bold enough to back them to go all the way and win it at odds of 7-2? to two? Yeah, and I think sort of as we've sort of I, I touched on with Manchester City, you've you've not only got to look at the quality of the team, but the, their odds and then their path to the final. And that's what really sets Napoli apart. And I said that I wouldn't back City, but I would back Napoli. And that's not me saying that I think Napoli are a better team than Manchester City, because I don't think they are. But they've got an easier path. And I think they've also got the luxury of being able to throw absolutely everything at the Champions League. Because if you look at the Serie A table, it's pretty much in the bag already that they win the league. Um, I like this Napoli side, and I think for years they've sort of threatened to be this good, and they've not really delivered. And I think maybe if you go back two months, there was probably a question mark hanging over whether Napoli will actually go through with this and, and actually become the team that, that some people thought they were capable of. But I think they are doing now. Um, personally, I would rather take the bet on them to win it. Um, you know, I, I do... I do see the other side of the draw as such, if you split into two, as being better. But it's a one-off game. I think Napoli will definitely get to the final. Um, and then you've got 7-2 to two on, on a team to win it in a, in a one-off game that anything could happen. And, and potentially, the way that you look at... I mean, Bayern Munich are, are in a title race for probably the first time in a few years, by the looks of it. Manchester City are going to be in a race... Whether they win the league or not, they're going to be in a race until the last couple of games of the season... Um, City have also got the FA Cup to contend with. So I just think that Napoli have got a luxury of being able to to maybe rest players in their um, in their league games and really focus on this. Um, the one thing that I would add to this, and sort of building on what Jamie said about Real Madrid, really, I did have a look to see if any bookmakers were offering like a name the finalists type market, um, and, and they're not, which is a shame because I would have loved to have seen what the odds were on a Napoli-Real Madrid final. Um, if that becomes available, it'd definitely be a bet that would interest me. But as of yet, it seems that nobody's offering it. Yeah, I think, as you say, with the taking Napoli at 7-2 in the final, you could also use the in-play if it goes that way. You know, let's say Napoli gets to the final, they go a goal ahead, you've got a margin there to lay it off during the game. There's so many different angles that you can make profit out of Napoli. So I think that's the way to go there. But at the same time, Jamie, Chelsea... I wouldn't say they're going to put all their eggs in the Champions League basket, but maybe they have to put a lot of them because when you look at their league placing, it might be Champions League or bust in terms of Europe. So I know you've waxed lyrical about Real Madrid, but is there any yeah. sort of scope to back the Blues to win it at 14-1? to 1? Um, I don't think so. I think this is going to be, a, as I said, a really difficult game for them. I think, you know, we, we saw last season they were eliminated by Real Madrid. Um, you know, that was with an experienced manager who's won the Champions League in Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, they had the likes of Rudiger as well in their team. So I think they're definitely a lot worse off this year. Real Madrid, I think, are about the same level as they were last year as well. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to play out how it did last season. And uh, I think Real Madrid, without doubt, will come out on top. I think Real Madrid will be delighted with, with this one. Obviously, you know, they've seen that Man City and Bayern playing each other, avoiding Napoli as well. And I, I think Chelsea would have been one of the teams they would have liked to have played the most. Um, I thought in the last round, they were probably quite fortunate to come through Chelsea. Borussia Dortmund, you felt like they should have offered a bit more, but I thought they were really disappointing. So they obviously had a, a pretty much a clear run in the last round to get here. Um, and yes, obviously things look like they may be starting to click under Graham Potter a little bit, but um, I just don't think they're going to have enough to, to beat Real Madrid at all. Then, of course, you know, if they somehow managed to do that, 
Um, obviously, it's Bayern or Manchester City next. And I just think that that's, again, another very tricky task to overcome. So I don't see them overcoming Real Madrid. I don't, definitely don't see them then going and do it again. So, um, yeah, I, I think Chelsea probably will crash out in the in the quarters here. Fair enough. Let's move on to the Europa League now. And Craig, with no Arsenal left in the tournament, would you be nailing your colours to Manchester United's mast at odds of 11-8? to eight? Again, it's sort of same as Manchester City. I'm really torn here because of the price on offer. Um, ask me, do I think Manchester United win the Europa League? And the answer is yes. Ask me if I want to back Manchester United to win the Europa League at 11-8 to eight at this stage. And I say not a chance. No, I think this competition's still got a bit of depth to it. Uh, Sporting Lisbon held up well against Arsenal. Roma are a decent side. Juventus are really starting to fire in Serie A and sort of coming into their own again after they had the points deduction earlier in the season. Um, and, and while they're maybe not at the same level this season, I think we'd be very foolish to not mention Sevilla. And they, this is their competition, you know. Um, I think Manchester United win it. And I actually think that Manchester United are going to take the last two cup competitions very seriously. And stranger things have happened than Manchester United finishing this season with a treble. But having said that, the question is, would I back them at 11-8? to 8? And the answer has to be no, given who's still left in this competition. Well, you make a good point about Seville because um, they've just sat York San Paoli, so there could be some new manager bounce when they face Manchester United. Add that to their pedigree in the competition and it might not be such great value for the Red Devils. But Jamie, of course, as Craig says, there is depth in this competition. Mm. The likes of Juventus and Roma, they're both 11-2 to to lift the trophy. So are they mm. worth a look at all? Yeah, I think Craig makes a good point about the depth of this competition. I mean, you look at kind of the teams that are left. There's some, some really exciting teams. And uh, yes, Manchester United are the strongest team, but I think they're going to face some some tough tasks ahead. And uh, Roma and Juventus definitely look like they're going to be that. Um, I think with Roma, we always know, obviously, with Jose Mourinho in charge, very much a specialist in these kind of competitions. Um, so I, I think they've got a good chance of doing well. They've, of course, got final in the next round, a team who they beat in the uh, Europa League Conference final last year. So that will obviously be an interesting game there. They have been pouring that they have been slightly underwhelming in the league recently. I think they've only won two of the last six matches. So it's not been kind of a great run for them. It's, I think it's been slightly underwhelming season for, for Mourinho. Um, but Juventus, Juventus are an interesting one because we, we've seen them obviously have that, that point deduction. I think it's been a pretty underwhelming campaign for them as well. Um, obviously, going out the Champions League, you know, question marks on Allegri, but they have really picked up um, recently. And it does feel like that's kind of gone under the radar somewhat. Um, they beat Inter Milan at the San Siro on the weekend. So, obviously, a, a, a big win there. Obviously, a team who are in the Champions League doing well this year, Inter Milan. So, that was a big win for them. They've won 10 of the last 30 matches as well, Juventus. So, aside, as I said, who, who are really starting to pick up. They're back into seventh in, in the... In the the, the domestic table in Serie A. Um, so, yeah, I think those are two teams certainly to watch out for. One team that I do really like and, and maybe worth keeping an eye on is, is going to be Bayer Leverkusen. I think Xabi Alonso is doing a fantastic job there. Um, I think, you know, he's got them playing really good football. Um, I think they've got a favourable tie in the next round as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he Alonso, he just looks like he's, he's got the um, potential to be a really good manager and... Uh, yeah, I, I think he can do well in this competition at 8-1. to one, um, I, I do like the look of Bayer Leverkusen just by the way that they're playing and saw them beat Bayern Munich on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, definitely a team to watch out for, in my opinion, Leverkusen. Yeah, certainly an open field in the Europa League. You could say the same about the Europa Conference League. So, Craig, West Ham are the favourites at 5-2. to two. Do you reckon David Moyes' men can end the season on a high? And not forgetting, if they do win this competition, it puts them in the Europa League next season. So there could even be the scenario where they're in Europa League, but also the Championship next time around. 
Yeah, I've just just sort of been thinking back to what I've said up to now on the podcast, and um, I feel like I've been sitting on the fence a bit, to be honest, with my answers. And that's exactly what I'm going to do coming up now. Um, I can see why West Ham are favourites to win this. And I think, to be fair to West Ham, one, they're having a bad season, but one sort of praise, bit of praise that I would give them is that they have looked fairly good in this competition. They've played a hell of a lot better in this competition than in the league. And I don't know if the switch to European football just sort of suits them and takes the pressure off them a little bit because they have been under pressure because of their league position pretty much since the start of the season, certainly since after the World Cup. Um, the question I have about West Ham is, dare they really go for this? D- dare they do it and push hard while they're in a relegation scrap? If West Ham go all out in this competition and win it, great. But if that comes at the expense of being relegated to the Championship... My personal opinion is their fans will be on their back more for for sort of not just letting this competition slide and making sure they stay in the Premier League. It's not that I don't think they can win it. And I, I think the, the bet is of fair value as well. I think they're a, a fair price. But in the relegation zone, it just makes me wonder if they've really got the sort of will they go for it or not. I think if you ask me this question when West Ham were sort of 12th and 13th and maybe cruising into mid-table obscurity for this season. I think West Ham of the sort of the English teams we've, we've mentioned would be my favourite bet of them all. But I just worry how much they're going to throw at this competition given the sort of the league situation they're in. And as I've said, from a fan's point of view, West Ham fans would love to win this competition. But if this comes at the expense of their Premier League position and end up in the Championship next year then I think the fans are straight on the club's back. Yeah, it's a real difficult conundrum in the east of London. But Jamie, also going to be difficult when you consider the likes of Fiorentina and Nice. They're both 7-2 at the moment. Could an eventual mm. winner come from one of those? Yeah, well, look, we, we obviously mentioned in the, in the Europa League kind of real depth in that competition. Here, it's it's very difficult to call because you, you look at those kind of those three favourite teams. They've all been struggling domestically this season. You know, obviously, West Ham, 18th in the table, Fiorentina, they're ninth, and, and Nice are seventh in Liga. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of difficult to call where it's going to come from because none of those teams have, have been particularly fantastic this season. Um, but then you kind of look at the remaining teams and they're also struggling domestically. So really difficult to call this one. Um, but if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably go with Nice here. Um, I say they have been underwhelming in the league. They're actually on a, a really good run of uh, just one defeat in the last 19 league matches. So a team who have been tricky to beat. And I think in these competitions where it's knockout matches, being tough to break down, being tough to beat, I think that's a really good trait to have. And uh, I think that that could stand them in good stead. So at 7-2, to two, I think that they might maybe be the team to go with, especially when you look at kind of how underwhelming this competition is. So um, I'm going to go with Nice as my pick to win this competition now. Um, I think they'll definitely get through to the semi-finals. They've got a nice tie. Um, and as I said, they're on a good run domestically. Uh, just as one just one defeat in, in 19. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for Nice to win the competition. Good shout there. Right, we're going to go bet building once again. And this time, we've got an international flavour to it, as Italy play host to England. So, Craig, as always, I'd like an anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, I'm going to kick us off with a big one here. And I'm going to go with Bukayo Saka to score any time for England. He's 9-2, to two, which I think is a massive price, really. Um, he's been in red-hot form for Arsenal this season. And to me, the big change with his Arsenal form has been that he's now found a way to add goals to his game. Uh, he's got 12 so far this season in the Premier League, and that's already a personal best. 
He's actually got a total of 17 Premier League career goals before the start of this season. So it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if he actually gets more than that by the time we get to the end of this season. Um, given Marcus Rashford's out of the team, I, I think Saka certainly plays. And I just see him having a lot of success in the wide areas. I think 92 is too big to ignore. So he kicks us off with a anytime goal scorer. I like the sound of that, Jamie. I'd like the over-under on the goals, please. Yeah, I mean, it's such a big game for both teams here, obviously. The opening game, arguably the toughest game for, for both these teams. So um, I think the aim for both will be just about avoiding defeat. Um, and I think that's going to lead to cautious approaches from both teams um, as well. You know, uh, I think both teams may be struggling for attackers at the moment. Losing Marcus Rashford, um, obviously a big blow. Um, for England, I think Italy maybe have been lacking a forward as well or, or like a real clinical forward. So, um, yeah, I, th I think everything kind of points towards a low scoring game here. And uh, I'm going to go for under 2.5 goals. OK, I'm going to go with the both teams to score market on Thursday night. Admittedly, this outcome hadn't occurred in either of the Summer Nation League matches between the two. But it did occur in each of the last five meetings before those. So with a bit more needle attached to this game than compared to the Nations League itself... I can see both teams getting on the score sheet, but I like the sound of Jamie's picks. I think, you know, one all draw sounds the most logical if you're going for the correct score. But in terms of the both teams to score, I'm adding an emphatic yes to our bet builder coupon. OK, just to recap our three picks then. Craig has gone for Bukayo Saka to score at any time. Jamie's gone for under 2.5 goals. I've gone for both teams to score. So we're kind of forcing a combination here. But it's a big one. It's 28 to 1 is the odds for this week, which means £10 on the betting slip, £290 in your back pocket. I hope it gets over the line for you. I hope it gets over the line for us. But let's have a quick chat about the game itself now. Craig, the start of the European qualifiers gets underway for England on Thursday. Can they earn some redemption for their Euro 2020 final defeat at the hands of Italy? Yeah, just, just before we get on to the game, Dan, can I just say that I saw this on Twitter a couple of days ago. In terms of coaching appointments... England's decision to bring Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank into the coaching setup must be one of the most bizarre things <laughs> that I have ever seen in my life. In the summer, he was being interviewed for the Barnsley job, and thank goodness we didn't go that way. He spends a bit of time on TV as a pundit since then, but gets rejected for a League One job, and, and now all of a sudden he's, he's like in the England coaching team. I just can't for the life of me see a situation where we need a new coach and he's the best option on the market. Uh, it just absolutely blows my mind that, that this has been done. Um, he, he must have some some friends in high places. He, mu he must be, be well in somewhere. But anyway, after that, on to the game. Um, I, I just sort of get the feeling here that sort of Italy have been like completely off the international scene since, since we played them in the Euro finals um, because they've not made the World Cup and obviously everything's been about the World Cup and uh, whatever. Um, I think losing Marcus Rashford's a massive blow to England's chances. I would have loved to have seen him involved from the start here and have Rashford and Kane sort of leading the line, although there would be two of a three leading the line as such for England and really see us take the game to Italy and go out there with a positive attitude. Um, I think it'll be very close. I think there'll be very little in it. But my sort of I'm landing on us just edging it. Um, I'm not as confident as I would be had we got Rashford in the team. Um, because to me, as I said, he would have started. But worst case scenario, Rashford doesn't start. What a great option for the last 20 minutes. Um, I think England will edge it. The sort of cautious side of me does think if there's 20 minutes left in the game and, and it's a draw, does Gareth Southgate sort of come away happy, away, the, arguably our toughest game of qualifying and the first game of qualifying? 
and do we sort of shut up shop a little bit and take a point home with us? That's the cautious side of me, but ultimately, I, I think we might nick it. Now, Jamie, would you consider this as a must-win game for Gareth Southgate, or with it being away from home and the start of the campaign, is it just a case of, you know, draw is absolutely fine because we've got the toughest fixture out of the way mm. first, and then we've got some much easier ones to come. So is it just get off the mark, or is it a, yeah. a win for you? Yeah, look, I, I think that's going to be Gareth Southgate's approach as well. I think we, we know kind of how he sometimes comes into these matches, you know, I think at times he can be kind of put down as maybe a, a defensive coach. And I think we will kind of see a, a, a pragmatic approach here in in Naples. Um, and I, I think a draw would be a good result for England. You know, this is by far our, our most our toughest game going away to Italy. Um, I think this is going to be a, a really tough game. It's against a rejuvenated Italian team as well. We obviously saw them do very well in the Nations League recently. They topped their group. So, yes, they obviously failed to qualify for the World Cup. But I think they are a team that maybe their fortunes are slightly changing somewhat. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be inter- a very interesting game. And uh, I think it will be a case of where England do look to come out here with a point. And uh, I, I do think that would be a good result for England. We just don't want to hand Italy any advantage here. Come away from Naples with a point, and uh, I, I think most England fans would be happy with that. And uh, I think it'd be a good result. And uh, as I said, I think Gareth Southgate's going to set up to get a point here. And uh, yes, a good point that would be. Now, Craig, in terms of the starting lineup, do you reckon there's going to be much deviation from what we saw in the World Cup defeat to France? Do you envisage a few tweaks? You don't have to name the full eleven, but you know, give us some names. I think it'd be very similar. I think sort of one of the traits of Gareth Southgate has been that he. When it comes to big games and big occasions, he rarely tries new things. He likes sort of players that have been there and done it. I think there's a number of players in the England team that he would have as his sort of most trusted group. Uh, I personally no issues with with doing that either. That's not a criticism of, of Gareth. So before I mention the names, I, what I would say is I think we will see a very strong eleven here, a very similar team to the World Cup, and then if there is any sort of um, tweaking or trying of new things then I think that comes when we play against Ukraine on Sunday when that's a, a game where, where England should win and a game where I think Gareth Southgate will feel he's able to try a couple of different things if he wants to um, sort of a, a sh- I think the only sort of caveat to throw in there is if we lose against Italy maybe he'll want to make sure we get three points and doesn't do that but in terms of who plays you know I think it's going to be very similar Harry Maguire is always a player that sort of gets mentioned because he's not really, he doesn't really play for Manchester United as much, but he has done recently. Manchester United have played a lot of games and rotated their team, so he has been playing a lot recently. I think him and John Stones slot into the middle of mid uh, defence. Sorry, um, Gareth so, trusts them too there. Up front, as I said, I would have played Marcus Rashford if he was available. So I think we go with Saka, uh, Kane, and then one of Foden. Grealish, maybe. I think Phil Foden's coming into form. Uh, Jude Bellingham has to start because of what he did in the World Cup. And you can sort of get a feel for for where that sort of team's going. Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, um, Jordan Pickford in goal. It's a very sort of Gareth Southgate side, if, if you want to call it that. I just think the experimental stuff will come when we play Ukraine on Sunday. Well, Jamie, as just mentioned, Jude Bellingham certainly came of age in Qatar. Mm. Do you reckon he'll be tasked with adding that spark in the midfield once again? 
Yeah, well, look, obviously at 19, so much experience already. Obviously, played in these big games with Borussia Dortmund, where he's gone away to, you know, tough crowds as well. And I think that's going to be the case here. And um, yeah, just just a player that you'd really want in your dressing room. You know, as I said, only 19, but he just kind of looks beyond his years in terms of his attitude off the pitch, the way he plays the game as well. For me, he was probably England's best player at the Euros. Um, just kind of looks so composed on the ball. Looked so confident, looked like he, you know, always wanted the ball. Like, you know, he was already trying to lead the team as well. I think there was moments when, you know, he was picking players up, um, you know, he was just trying to encourage everyone. And so already looks like a, a real leader. So I just think he's going to be such a key player for England over the next couple of years. We know of his quality as well. Just a, such a complete player as well, you know, can do the defensive part of the game. In the World Cup, I think we saw plenty of times he can do the attacking side as well. So, just already such a complete player and, and that's why he's going to get that big move in the summer for a huge amount of money. Um, I think as well, him and Declan Rice in the middle of the park, I think that that on paper should be such an exciting partnership for, for the next couple of years for England. So yeah, that that's certainly an area of the pitch. I, I'm very excited to see Declan Rice and, and Jude Bellingham and how that kind of relationship flourishes over the next couple of years for England. We'll be keeping an eye on that over the next couple of days, but now it's time for our long shot acker. We go anywhere in the world on the hunt for odds between two to one and five to one. And Jamie, you're up first this week. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm, I think during the World Cup, it was a team that I kind of went against on on a number of occasions. I think they were a team I kind of backed to go out in the in the group stages, and that was Belgium. Um, obviously, they've got a new manager now in, in Tedesco. He's come in, and uh, it's going to be his first game in charge. And uh, I think it's going to be an upset for here. Um, I think the Belgian national team, they're still very much all over the place at the moment. I think the Italians kind of got a lot of work to do here, um, lots to fix. Um, they they travel away to a Sweden side who have won both their last two matches. Um, I think they were unfortunate maybe not to have gone to the World Cup. Um, they did beat a, a very good Czech side um, to, to reach the next round, but obviously were eliminated in the end by, by Poland. Um, then, of course, you look at the kind of the configuration of their attack and it, it looks really exciting. You've got the likes of Dan Kulisevsky, Alexander Izak, obviously has just had fantastic performance at Nottingham Forest. You've got Alanga, you've got Emil uh, Forsberg as well. So, so some talented players there that I think can, can get that can get at Belgium, and uh, I think they're going to cause an upset here at uh, twelve to five, and uh, I'm going to back Sweden win over Belgium. Okay, then Craig, what have you got up your sleeve? I'm off to League Two for my long shot pick on Saturday, and it's a draw that I like in a game between Hartlepool and Leighton Orient. Um, there'll probably be a little bit more interest in League One and League Two this weekend given the international break and the first one of the first things I would tell people is don't let the tabletop in position of Leighton Orient fool you um, they've struggled in the second half of the season after an absolutely flying start earlier on and um, they come here on the back of three draws in a row and if you look at their away form they've struggled even more in seven games that's been away from home since Christmas they've drawn three lost three and won just one now despite that they are still top of the league but that's all down to how good they were at the start of the season uh, they head to a Hartlepool team who are in the relegation places. Um, they're only two points away from safety, though, and trying very hard to get out there. Um, Hartlepool themselves do like a draw. They, they've been drawing recently. Are Hartlepool good enough to win this? Uh, maybe not. But I do fancy them to nick a point off the league leaders. So it's Hartlepool and Leighton Orient to draw, which is 5-2 to two for me. Now, someone who's born and bred from Crawley, Craig, I hope it goes well for the long shot. But really, I need Crawley to, to win at Rochdale. So I need your pick to come not good but anyway I'm going to stay in League 2 because Colchester 
play host to Tranmere, and the hosts have failed to win any of their last six league matches and have picked up just two points in the last 18 on offer, which is the second worst current record in the division. Now, Tranmere Rovers have had their own struggles recently. They picked up no wins in their last three, but I think they're going to have enough to deal with the Essex-based hosts, and that's why I'm backing the away win here, odds of 2-1. to one. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's go to some Premier League outright topics now. And we have to start with the title odds, of course. Craig, Arsenal are currently eight points clear at the top. Odds of eight to 13 to win this season's edition of the competition. Is that where your money's going? It is, yeah, just about. Um, I'm still struggling to sort of definitively split the top two. But I think for the first time, it's been close. But I am favouring Arsenal to win this. Um, one of the things that's happened recently, I think the penalty shootout loss to Sporting Lisbon last week will be a real blessing in disguise for them. They've got the league and absolutely nothing else to worry about. They've got 10 games to go. You know, they, they know their path to be champions. Uh, compare that with Manchester City. They've got an FA Cup semi-final coming up, a game that they should win, which then sets up a final as well. And then they've got the Champions League. We've got at least two games in the Champions League against Bayern Munich. If they get through that, they've got two games which will either be against Chelsea or against Real Madrid. Uh, again, tough. I think if Chelsea win that tie, then that shows that Chelsea are resurgent. So that would be harder than you would think at this point, um, if that makes sense. It's just a lot for Manchester City to take on. And Arsenal have got sort of fully focused on one thing. It's in their hands. They know what they've got to do. They can go and lose at Manchester City. They can see Manchester City win their game in hand. And it's still in Arsenal's hands. They've got a very simple task ahead of them. A difficult one, but in terms of what they've got to do and what they've got to navigate, a simple one. I would say that City are built to have a squad to cope with playing like all of this. But there is no doubt it makes things much tougher for them. And I think based on the fact we're at this situation now where Arsenal have got 10 games left in the league. Manchester City have got 11, plus potentially two cup uh, games in the FA Cup at least two cup games in the Champions League, potentially more. We've got a situation where Manchester City could be playing pretty much double the amount of football that Arsenal are playing. Uh, we're, in, we're coming towards the end of March. There's not long left to fit those games in. Um, I just think that gives Arsenal the edge. So, yeah, it's still still a tight, but I'm, I'm siding on with Arsenal now. Now, Jamie, if Manchester City win mm. all their Premier League matches, they'll win the Premier League title. It's a big ask. It's odds of 11-8 to eight at the moment. Can they do it? Yeah, I'd love to skip past this question, but uh, no, I will answer it. Um, I, I think Manchester City might look at it like this. I think that obviously at the, at the moment, the, the gap stands at eight points. Um, they win their game in hand, it's reduced to five. They then go and beat Arsenal at home, it's reduced to two. So Man City might be looking at it like that. Um, the problem is, and I just think Craig's mentioned it, I just think that the fact that Man City have all these distractions, you know, listening to Craig talk about the FA Cup, the Champions League as well, and, and almost playing double the amount of games, I just think that that's such a big thing in Arsenal's favour where they don't have any of those distractions. And uh, I think that's ultimately why I do think they will come out on top and they are my favourites to, to kind of go on and win the competition. Um, yeah, so Arsenal, my pick... Maybe Manchester City's experience might tell. Obviously, again, this is a young Arsenal team. Um, so, kind of, yes, they've obviously know what they've got to do, but that puts obviously a lot of pressure on them. And it'll be interesting to see whether they can deal with that. I say that, 
I think there's been so many times when we've kind of said, can Arsenal deal with the pressure of playing in this game? Can they go away to this team? And they just kind of always seem to come out on top. You know, they've gone two goals behind against Bournemouth. They've come back and won 3-2. They've gone to maybe these tough away places to go and they get the win. So we keep kind of hitting them with maybe a lack of experience, but they kind of keep showing that, that they're just resilient and they can go and win these games. And uh, they've kind of got that that awe about them at the moment where I think teams are just kind of accepting that they're not going to win that match. It's going to be a defeat today for them when they play Arsenal. So Arsenal just on an unbelievable run at the moment. And uh, I, I just think that European factor, that FA Cup factor for Manchester City, just going to be too much for them. And uh, I, I do think Arsenal will uh, end up being champions. Now, that market's rather clear-cut. It's either Arsenal or Manchester City. The relegation battle, not so much. Three from nine will go down. Southampton are the favourites at the moment. But, Craig, they have got an ability to get results we don't necessarily expect them to. So, because of that, I mean, they could still go down quite easily. But would you be backing them at two to five to do so? No, I definitely wouldn't. I think there's far better value out there in this market. Um, it's, it's wide open. And, and to be honest, when I look through this and... I've got more teams that I fancy for relegation than what actual relegation spots there are. Um, it's, it's a strange one. I, I just the the only team that I feel comfortable saying will go down and comfortable backing at a short price is Bournemouth. I just don't see how they get out of this. And we talk about the two short price teams first. Bournemouth are actually a, a better price than Southampton. If you're giving me a match bet now, I would take Southampton finishing over Bournemouth. Both might still go down, but I would take Southampton to finish a higher position than Bournemouth. Bournemouth are four to seven to get relegated. Southampton are two to five. I think Bournemouth are in the relegation zone and will stay there, and they will finish bottom of the league. Um, Southampton, as I said, they, they still may go down, but I think they've got an ability to get more points than than Bournemouth. And, and I'm not saying they'll get themselves out of it, but they'll give themselves a good chance. Um, those are the two sort of what you would describe as strong favourites to go down. And, and from those two, without mentioning the bigger names, which we'll get to in a second, from those two, it's Bournemouth that I think will definitely go down. And, and yet they're the bigger price. And Southampton, who may well go down, but I would certainly not be touching them at two to five. Yeah, I think either of those two teams which are short-priced, with the market being so volatile, I feel there are so many better options that even if those two South Coast clubs do go down, there's still a third one lurking. And Jamie, that third one could well be West Ham. We mentioned them earlier in the show about they could win the Europa Conference League. They could also hit the championship. So, Europe aside, they're in the bottom three at the moment. They're four to mm. one to go down. Do you reckon they'll still be in the bottom three come the final day of the season? Yeah, look, for me, I think their quality will tell in the end. And I think they will have enough to stay up. Now, obviously, people might kind of question what quality. But uh, look, this is a team that made a strong push for Europe last season. Um, of course, in the, in the Europa League as well, they got to the semi-final. So, you know, it's, it's a very similar team. So I still think they have got that quality to kind of have enough. Um, the Europa League Conference League, I think, is going to be a really interesting factor. I think it could be a uh, maybe a good distraction. But, you know, playing Thursdays and then playing again in the league, you know, none of the teams around them have to do that. So that's going to be a really interesting factor in terms of how that plays out. But uh, I think there will be t three teams worse off than them. Um, I think there will just be about OK. And as I said, I do think in the end, you know, the likes of Jarrett Bowen, that sort of quality, Declan Rice, I think that, that those sort of players should just about step up and, and give them enough to stay up. So, yeah, I'm going to back West Ham to, to stay in the Premier League this year. OK, we need to talk about Crystal Palace because they finally said goodbye to Patrick Vieira 
and their relegation odds have slipped to five to one. So Craig, is Roy Hodgson going to be the saviour, or is this going to be the perfect case of you should never go back? Yes. So Crystal Palace would be where I would actually put my money. I think they're the best value of everything. I don't think I, you know. I don't think necessarily that there's um, there's there's they're one of the worst three teams in the league. I just think at five to one. The value is all with Crystal Palace. Before I tell you why, because I want to end on a high and explain my Crystal Palace pick, just let's mention Nottingham Forest for a second here. One time, Nottingham Forest were well clear of any danger. They were going well in mid-table. They were picking up regular points. Um, And look at where they are. They're two points off the relegation zone, three points off bottom of the table. Um, No winning six. Next two games, uh, they've, they've got Wolves at home and then Leeds away in the space of four days straight after the international break. Uh, Forrester Evans and I just wanted to throw them in there because in many ways when we spoke about the relegation zone and the battle for the past few weeks and we've been talking about Crystal Palace and we've mentioned other teams Nottingham Forest we've never really mentioned them because they were going so well but they've dropped off very very sharply and they're in danger with some big games coming up let's get back to Crystal Palace though because as I said that's where I would put the money Um, it's open it's wide open and I've just got a feeling that it's not going to be as clear-cut as the teams down there are going to be the teams down there. Um, I think we're going to see... Well, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a team who are sort of a surprise package as such as getting relegated. And that, that I think, will be Crystal Palace. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Roy Hodgson? Nobody knows. It may be better, it may not. But one thing I would say is, had they not changed, I think Crystal Palace would have gone down. Um, with Patrick Vieira in charge, I would fancy... Palace more to be relegated um, but then again when you look at Roy Hodgson it's not an appointment that fills me with great confidence thinking they'll be safe we we sort of spoke about Everton when, when they made their change and I think we sort of all agreed that the appointment of Sean Dyche in, in Everton gave them a, a far better chance of survival does this give Crystal Palace a far better chance of survival I don't think it does one of the reasons for that is because Hodgson needs to come in. He's, he's got an international break, fair enough. But I often think that a side like Crystal Palace, he's not got his full team, but he's not missing almost everyone. They're in sort of in a bit of limbo, really, with who they've got available for training and things like that. So he's missing players, but not missing too many players. When they come back, um, their first game back is at home to Leicester. Any relegation team that wants to get out there should be targeting a home game against Leicester as one they need to win. Now, they need to get at least a point from it, but they should be targeting that as a win. To me, that's a massive first game. After that, they've got two away games. They're away at Leeds and they're away at Southampton, two teams who are down there. If they come out of those three games and there's no win from them, especially if they lose the two games against the two rivals who are down there, Leeds and Southampton, then for me, that is really when the fans are going to get on this team's back. They're going to sort of look at... They've made a managerial change and they've got nothing for it. Three games, three absolutely enormous games in. And I just wonder where that feeling is going to take them. I just think there'll be somebody who sort of slips and slips and slips. And at five to one, why why can that not be Crystal Palace? Well, Jamie, the reason he has been reinstalled at Palace is because he knows a great deal about the squad previously. But Hodgson's time at Watford is going to be a bit of a concern to all involved. So when you look at how he finished at Watford, he took them down, tried to be a saviour mm-hmm. there at Vicarage Road. Same kind of remit at Crystal Palace. So what's your take on how it's going to unfold? 
Yeah, I, I think this is an okay appointment. Um, I don't think it's a complete disaster, as kind of lots of people may be talking about. Um, firstly, on, on Patrick Vieira's sacking, it's certainly been coming. I think Palace, they were very much sleepwalking into a relegation battle and, of course, are now firmly in it. Um, I think their squad had been really underachieving this season. I think the defence of uh, Gay, Anderson, Mitchell, I think that that had been underperforming. I think as well, um, from, from speaking to Palace fans a lot, um, I think the Frenchman, he'd kind of failed to really ever get the, their attack right in terms of picking the right players, the, the, you know, in, in terms of how he was lining it up. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I keep saying I like the look of Palace's attack a lot if he gets it right. You've got the likes of Eze, Elise, Zaha. So on paper, Palace should be doing much better. And we know they've had that real struggle for goals. So I think Vieira absolutely was right to go. And uh, I think it was just heading in, in such a bad direction for him. So right to get that done um, and, and sack him. I think in terms of Watford and, and Roy Hodgson, I think that just looked like he was walking into a bit of a lost cause. I think that this Palace squad is, is significantly better than that Watford team that he inherited. Um, so I think that that's maybe kind of where I'd add a, a slight caveat to that in terms of, yes, he did poorly at Watford and failed to keep them up. Um, but in, ter in terms of a, a guy who's going to come in and I think he will be able to steady the ship somewhat, that's all they really need at the moment. So, as I said, I do think this disappointment is fine. Um, but planning needs to start now for, for Palace, really, in terms of trying to be more ambitious. I think they are a club who, who's kind of got the base there of a, a strong team. Obviously, there are little bits missing. I've, I've mentioned that previously. I think maybe a midfield, a right back as well. So they've kind of got the the maybe the base for a good team. Um, they just need to go and be more ambitious in the summer, get the right appointment if they do stay in the, in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think Roy Hodgson, it's obviously far from being ambitious, but uh, I think it could be just enough to kind of steady the ship and uh, keep them in the Premier League. Right, that's the Premier League outright chat. Before we move on, I want a correct score bet from you both. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome spot on. So, Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm going to go with the England game for my correct score, the, the sort of biggest game as such that we'll all be watching over the next few days. And I'm going to go with England to beat Italy 1-0, which is available at 13-2. I just get the feeling that this game is going to be very low scoring. I think it's going to be a, a cagey affair that neither team will want to win. Uh, neither team will want to lose. Obviously, they both love to win. Um, neither team will want to lose this. England would take a point, but I just get the feeling that we might go over there and nick it. Um, as I've sort of already mentioned, Bukayo Saka's my anytime scorer pick. So I, I do think England will nick a goal from somewhere. And yeah, England to beat Italy 1 0 is my correct score pick. 13 to 2, that is. Okay, good shout there. Jamie, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? Yeah, look, the world champions, Argentina, they play their first match since their World Cup triumph and uh, they host Panama. So a, a game where I do think Lino Scaloni's team are, are going to want to impress here. They're going to want to put on a big, you know, try and produce a, a big win here. And uh, I'm going to go for an emphatic Argentina win. 5-0, I'm going to go for at 11-2. Uh, I like the sound of that indeed. But let's focus on some EFL action now as there's a packed schedule across the week. First up, two playoff hopefuls face off in the form of Peterborough and Derby. So, Craig, which way do you see this one going? Yeah, two good sides, these two, but I would have to give the edge to Peterborough here. Um, Derby have slipped off a bit recently. And when you look at their team, one of the questions coming into this season was they've got a lot of old, old heads in their team. And are they beginning to feel the pinch of that after a long, hard season? You just wonder what Derby have got left in the tank. And it was sort of mentioned at the start of the season. And maybe that's what we're beginning to see here. Uh, Peterborough, on the other hand, they're seemingly finding the, the sort of the momentum that many thought they would have for the full season. 
Um, I, I thought they would be up there fighting for the automatics, but at the minute they're fighting to try and get into the playoffs. Um, other than a very strange, which, which simply cannot be explained, 3-0 home loss to Cheltenham a couple of weeks ago for Peterborough. It's been very good for them. Uh, they score for fun. They've had 3-0 and 5-2 wins recently. Um, all of that together, plus home advantage, which is a big thing, um, a chance to get within one point of Derby in the playoff race. Big game, and I just give the edge to Peterborough. Me, uh, bookmakers have priced them both up at the same price, eight to five, and I would certainly have Peterborough over Derby, given that they're both the same price. Okay, and Jamie, Derby's last fourteen league matches have recorded over mm. one point five total goals. So the question is, would you be backing over mm. two point five odds of seventeen to twenty? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, these two teams that certainly have you know not been struggling for goals this season. Peterborough, uh, they beat Burton Albion five two. Um, and they beat Lincoln 3-0 in, in their last two matches. So a team have obviously scored eight times in the, in the last two. Um, they've been averaging 1.7 goals per game as well this season. Um, so they're obviously a team not struggling with goals at all. Meanwhile, Derby, they've been averaging 1.6 goals a game. Um, so, yeah, I think with both teams kind of looking good in terms of front, in front of goal, um, I, I think you're certainly going to see goals here. The, the previous clash between these two teams... Ended 2-1. And, uh, yeah, I think it could be maybe a, a similar case here with uh, what we see over 2.5 goals. As I said, lots of goals in this game, I think. OK, then Sunday sees Duncan Ferguson's Forest Green Rovers go up against Sheffield Wednesday. So, Craig, as you know, Sheffield Wednesday's run has come to an end. But is it as simple as backing the away win out of 8-15? to 15? Can you add anything else to this one? Um, on any other day, I would be going with Wednesday to win to nil or maybe minus one on the handicap. And I do think they will win this game. But I just have to wonder what last night's taken out of them. Um, they played well against Barnsley for probably 45, 50 minutes of the game. They had a massive push to get that game back to 2-2 after a really poor start. Well, then they were hit with a late hammer blow uh, and then lost the game 4-2. Uh, they've got a couple of days to recover, both physically and mentally, from that game. You know, it's such a big game. And they've given themselves a chance, but then lost that. Um, I think that game will have left a mark for them. I do think they will win this game. But I do think it's more likely to be a scrappy 1-0 win rather than a comfortable success. So normally um, it would be Wednesday to win to nil. It will be minus one, maybe even minus two on the handicap for a bigger price. But I just wonder what Tuesday night's done to them. I do still think they've got enough to win uh, because Forest Green are absolutely woeful. But I'm sort of edging against backing them to do it convincingly. So so I, I can't really add anything to it other than say that I do think Sheffield Wednesday will have enough to win this game. That's fair enough. Let's ask Jamie then, because obviously taking Tuesday night into account, would you be tempted <laughs> by the Sheffield Wednesday win to Neil Wells of 6-4? Yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to look at the recent stats for Sheffield Wednesday to, to really see what an impressive win that was, was for Barnsley, and especially scoring four goals. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, they've kept 12 clean sheets in the last 19 matches. Um, they've also conceded the fewest goals in the division as well this season. They've conceded just 27 times in 36 matches. So very strong defensively, of course, apart from on, on Tuesday evening. Um, so, yeah, I think as well, uh, Forest Green Rovers, they failed to score in, in just over 40% of their matches this season as well. So a team who on occasions have very much struggled for goals. Um, and uh, I actually think that the Sheffield Wednesday will bounce back here and, and, and get the win. I think they'll also do it to nil. Um, and uh, you can get that at 6-4, to four, as you said. OK, let's go to League Two. And league leaders, Leighton Orient, are on the road at Hartlepool. Craig, you've already mentioned the draw, but where do you stand on the over-under goals? Um, straight down the middle, truth be told. Dan. Um, the, the, I do fancy the draw, yes. But what I would say is that when both teams have been drawing, 
they haven't been low scoring draws either. If you Hartlepool have drawn uh, the last four games, they've had two one-one draws, but then they've had a two-two and a three-three on that. Um, Leighton Orient they come here on the back of three draws in a row, and two of those have been two-twos. So while normally I would say that when I pick a draw, I tend to favour under 2.5 because nil-nil and 1-1, in my opinion, are usually the most likely draw uh, draw score lines. Actually, when you look at this game, it would be no surprise to see goals. So it usually goes against what I say, but the draw combined with over 2.5 and going for a 2-2 or maybe even a 3-3 draw, uh, that wouldn't be a surprise here. I think it should, should be an entertaining game, even though it's a draw. Uh, we don't have many entertaining draws, but this could be one of them. And Jamie, nearest challenger Stevenage are at home to Salford. How does a home win and both teams scoring at odds of 10 to 3 sound to you? Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting game, this one. It's uh, two of the highest scorers in, in the league kind of clashing here. Uh, Salford, they've netted 57 times this season. Um, Stevenage, they've scored 50 as well. So I think this is going to be a game certainly with, with lots of goals and a real entertaining one. Um, and it, it's massive for both teams as well. Salford, they're a team who are very much pushing for, for the playoffs at the moment. Um, they're currently seventh in the table. So, as I said, yeah, both teams massive for this one. I think they'll be well up for it. And uh, as I said, with, in terms of scoring goals, both been fantastic this season. And uh, with both teams being up for it so much on the line, I, I think there will be goals here. And uh, yeah, I like the look of, that, of, of both teams scoring here. OK, then let's drop into the National League very quickly as the title race is also heating up there. So, Craig, Notts County have an easier home task at the weekend. They welcome Scunthorpe. Can you find the listeners any value before kickoff? Yeah, I'm definitely with you on the Notts County pick. Uh, the addition that I like here is both teams to score in this game. So, Notts County, in my opinion, will win this game comfortably. But they have conceded in all of their last five games, despite playing well. Um, Scunthorpe has scored in their last three, although down at the bottom of the league they are playing better They've, they've won two of those games. So I will go for a home win, but I just think the stats all point to both teams to score as well here, yeah? which takes the odds from one to five up to seven to four. Uh, so it's a big jump up and uh, worth adding in for me. Absolutely. And Jamie, league leaders Wrexham are at home to York, so you can get over 3.5 goals at 11 to eight on Saturday. Is that a bet that takes your fancy at all? I would say maybe not. Um, York, yes, they are sat in 18th at the moment. Um, so obviously have been struggling, but they have won two of their last three matches as well. So although I do think Wrexham will come out on top, I think there's going to be maybe a, a one where they kind of are really pushed to get the line here. And I don't think it's going to be maybe an emphatic win for them. Um, I think as well, Wrexham, they have been winning matches, but they have been scraping past teams. You know, it was a 2-1 win against Bromley, a 1-0 win against Southend in, in the last two matches. So, Yes, they've obviously been getting over the line, and uh, but it's been maybe kind of really pushed. And uh, I think, again, here, York team, who come in with a little bit of form, and uh, I think they're going to push them. And, and, and I think this will be a low-scoring win for, for Wrexham here. So I would I would go against uh, over over 3.5 here. Fair enough. But it's time for our final bit of business. It's the odds-on threefold. We all pick a leg each. We combine it into an acre. We try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. So, Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, it's going down to League One for me, and it's a big game at the bottom of the table where I'm going to pick MK Dons to beat Morecambe. Uh, the Dons are outside of the relegation places, but only by one point, and they've got in that position by beating two teams who are now inside of that battle, Accrington and Cambridge. Um, Morecambe is the third game in a row they're playing against another relegation rival, so a massive run for MK Dons. Uh, they've tightened up, and they've won those two important games 1-0. Um, and given Morecambe's lack of scoring here, which 
They've not scored more than one goal in a game since January. Um, I just get the feeling that MK Dons will be able to sort of suffocate them and grind out another narrow win. So it's MK Dons to beat Morecambe at 7-10 to 10 for me. I like the sound of that. Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the Euro qualifying here and uh, I'm going to go for Croatia to beat Wales at 4-7. to seven. Um, I think this should be a really interesting game between two pretty strong teams. Um, obviously, Croatia coming off the back of a fantastic World Cup campaign once again, you know, finishing in, in third place. Wales, obviously, it was a disappointing campaign for them. They did crash out in the group stages. Um, but yeah, I think this should be an interesting one. But I do think Croatia will come up on top here. And as I said, you can get that at 4-7. to seven. OK, then I'm going to go to the New Lawn Stadium on Sunday. We've just referenced this, but it's time to go there again. Bottom of the table, Forest Green Rovers play host to Sheffield Wednesday. And as Craig knows, the Owls were beaten by the Tykes on Tuesday night. And that result has knocked the Hillsborough outfit off top spot of League One. However, Duncan Ferguson's men look likely to offer the perfect opposition when it comes to attempting to return to winning ways. The former Everton forward is yet to win a league game since taking the Forest Green job, and you do wonder why the appointment was made in the first place. However, I don't really care about that. All I care about is the away win. It's currently at odds of 8-15, to and that's going straight on the betting slip. But that brings us to full time, so I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now, I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Thanks very much, Dan. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And just last point to mention, uh, international break this weekend, so many listeners will be without football. It is uh, non-league day on Saturday, so why not go and support your local non-league team? You'll probably get in and get a pie and maybe even a pint for about a tenner. What, what, what's better than that? Yeah, that's actually that's a great shout. Unfortunately, my non-league team are playing on Friday, but I get what you mean. If it was a Saturday game, I'd be all over it. But if you are listening, get yourself to your local because it's going to be a great day there. Jamie, thanks for your time and showing your betting insights mm-hmm. with me. More importantly, go and get yourself a Lemsit, mate. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Yeah, obviously, apologies to the listeners for kind of having to endure my, my voice. Um, just about made it through, I think. And uh, yeah, look, obviously, delighted that we got an international break. Being a Spurs fan, thoroughly had enough of this season but look I said there's going to be kind of lots to keep an eye on in in terms of the Spurs world I think we will see uh, maybe a new Spurs manager appointed obviously it does look likely that it could be Ryan Mason till the end of the season but there has been some strong talk of of maybe Spurs actually appointing a permanent manager I know that Thomas Tuchel um, has been very strongly linked and I've heard a bit that we, we, we might be in talks with him so that's one to maybe keep an eye on Pochettino of course another free agent very strongly linked with the job. So that's going to be interesting to see kind of how that kind of market develops as well. So, yeah, I think, yes, of course, I do get a, a break from having to what not watch Spurs. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see kind of what happens in, in terms of the developments of the new manager. Absolutely. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>